Hello and welcome back to the Barron Alumni Podcast Series, a series dedicated to showcasing the journeys and experiences of Barron alumni and former educators, featuring your host, Linda McCunda. This episode has been brought to you by Christian Schaff. From survival systems and first aid kits trusted by the CIA, State Department, and U.S. and Canada Border Patrol, to the Zeus energy system that can jumpstart up to an 8-liter diesel engine, Uncharted Supply Company builds products designed to make you the hero of your own story. Visit www.unchartedsupplyco.com or check out their products in person nationwide at retailers like Bass Pro Shops and Shields. Christian Schaff, a 1998 BHS graduate, is the founder and CEO of this company. Sitting with me right now is Barron High School alumni, Shana Lombard-Wood. So welcome and thank you so much for coming to meet with me today. I'm so excited to be here. I've had the pleasure of having you as an elementary and a high school student. We crossed paths once you were in your professional life as well. So today I want you to share your awesome journey so we can hear about the path you took since you walked the halls of Barron High School. So Shana, can you share with me what year you graduated from Barron High School and a little about your school days that you were a student in the Barron Area School District? I graduated in 1998, and I guess it would depend on what part of the journey we want to begin at. I went to the Elmina Elementary School, where I found out recently that you were my art teacher, and I had no idea because your name was Malachewski. Yeah. And that was a hard name to say at nine years old. (laughs) Then I went to Riverview Middle School from fifth to eighth grade, and then I graduated from Barron High in 98. So you attended the Barron Area School District your entire school career. I did. Elmina, we never really felt like we were a part of it because that was when the school was still tiny, like Mm -hmm. that little tiny brick building. And then once we moved to the middle school, we kind of felt more of like the Barron area community. So it's been a crazy ride. Yeah. When you were at Elmina, did you go through fifth grade? No, we went through fourth grade. Fourth grade. And then middle school was fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. And then I think they changed that after we left. Then I think it was sixth, seventh, and eighth Mm because fifth grade is pretty young to be in middle school, I think. Cool. Were there any significant moments or teachers or coaches or any events from your school days that left a lasting impression on you or perhaps sparked a passion? Yes. Two stories I can think of off the top of my head. One of them was in high school. We had a writing and English teacher, Mr. Waghorn, and he was a big, burly, just lovable teddy bear kind of a guy just like lit up the room when he walked in and I wasn't so good in my other classes I was never good at math science or anything but Mr. Waghorn really encouraged my writing so I was so proud of the fact that I would get all A's in Waghorn's class I might be getting D's and C's in math but Mr. Mm -hmm. Waghorn and he would write notes on the back of my writing assignments and talk with me about punctuation and flow and content and that's when I kind of got the spark for writing. I loved that because I don't know, it just felt like he really took the time to see me and to really pay attention to that because he saw something. I think he saw that I had a gift, which was incredible. So that's where I was like, okay, well, I might not be good at the technical stuff of school. I can't do chemistry. I'm not good at that, but I'm a good writer. So that Mm -hmm. got into me right away from there. And then in elementary school, we had an art project by our teacher who I now know is you. I did not know it was you. And you had us blow bubbles with soap and color. I remember it vividly. We had little cups and straws and you put colors 
in the water and you had us blow bubbles and then we were to push paper on it and make a design and then you hung them all up on a wall and gave different awards to each kid. It wasn't first place, second place. It was like you were very distinct about making sure that everybody was acknowledged, which I loved. And mine said most creative. And I remember because I was, gosh, second grade, I would have been nine. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm creative. That's what I am. That's what that thing is inside of me that I can't put words to. And it's so funny because I didn't know it was you. Oh, cool. Isn't well, that I'm crazy? I'm glad you got the Creativity Award. You are very creative. Well, now I know that. Yeah, but it was the one thing that like this thread through my whole life. Like, I'm not good with normal stuff. I'm not good with math, but gosh, I'm creative. And then Mr. Waghorn validated the writing. Mm-hmm. So those two things were kind of my cornerstones for when I was struggling in other areas with sure. studying. That made me feel like, well, at least I've got something. Yeah. And it was well, teachers that did that. Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool Cool. Is there any special moments like with your peers or the social life of high school that you that stand out for you? You know, it's funny because all high school was to me was social life. I wasn't involved in sports. I wasn't super active in any groups or anything like that. Like my whole life was friends and trying to stay alive because high school was hard. It really was. Mm -hmm. It's a brutal place where you're living in this state of ego, putting on this armor every day, trying to be tough and be noticed, but not too noticed. Sure. And I still have friends to this day that I've known since kindergarten through school. So some of my best friends from high school are still my best friends. We're moms. Mm-hmm. now in our 40s. Yeah. And you know, we were 16, 17 years old then. We had a lot of fun decorating for proms. We had a lot of fun tailgating, you know, at football games and things like that. But really there's just this overarching feeling of trying to be cool and popular mm-hmm. and all of those things that happen in high school. So, yeah, that's all I can think of now is just trying so hard to be <laughs> Noticed, but not noticed, as I think is typical with high school. I looked at your yearbook and saw a number of pictures of you, you know, in there and Mm -hmm. all that. Yeah, it looks like you're having fun, but you're right. You know, like just trying to fit in and even looking at those pictures, you have a little bit blonder hair. Yes, I know. know. (laughs) And I got voted best dressed, which I, that was so important to me then. And Mrs. Too Cool to Be Here, which (laughs) does that not fit so perfectly? I look back at that girl and she was really armored up trying to be really cool. And that title is perfect because sure. when my husband met me, he was like, why are you trying to be so cool? And I'm like, OK, we can let this go now. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Cool. So going from there, what did you do or what was your life like right after high school? You know, what did you pursue? Well, right after high school, I had one goal, and that was just to get out of a small town and get some culture. I didn't really have a college plan like most of the kids Mm -hmm. because, again, I wasn't that great of a student. If I was a 40-year-old in school now, I would be great. I would be fine. But at that time, I just cared about my boyfriends and friends, and I just felt like I needed to go get some culture and learn a little bit about life before I made this huge Mm -hmm. decision about my future. So I moved to Minneapolis. I flipped a coin between heads with Chicago and tails would have been Minneapolis. Landed on tails. So it's crazy how that could have ended up. But I found a roommate, a friend of my mom's who she worked with, and we just drove around Minneapolis and we found an apartment. And I just started living life and working. And that was my only goal was to sustain myself as somebody who could pay her bills, pay her rent, live in a big city. You know, coming from little tiny Barron, Wisconsin, I wanted to be like in the hub of downtown. Mm -hmm. 
And we did it. So I worked a lot and I met a lot of people and I took a lot of different jobs to figure out what I was good at or what I was passionate about. I never really did any higher education. I didn't. I Mm -hmm. used life as a way to guide me. And I ended up working at a summer camp for kids with HIV and AIDS for about four summers. And that was huge formative years from, I think I was 21 until 25. It was Mm -hmm. this time where I learned so much from the children and the other camp counselors. We got to go to Malibu and be on a mountain and help the kids out there. I worked at Pier 1 as a manager, and I learned a lot of leadership skills through that. But I just kind of let life guide me, which is how I ended up here. I didn't really Mm -hmm. plan (laughs) anything about my life. I would just kind of follow these little breadcrumbs of clues of things that might be fun, and Mm -hmm. I would just go with it and see and it took you on your path to where you're now. Here yeah. you are and very successful and happy. Yeah, and that's very. the fun thing. It's got to be a right fit. Yeah. You know, teachers tell kids that all the time. It just has to be a right fit and you have to find your path and it's got to be your path. Yeah. What someone else thinks or what you should do. And I think the struggle I had at that time was everybody seemed to have a plan. One friend was going into the military. One friend was going to this college. One friend was going to be a teacher. And most of them now, honestly, are those things. Mm-hmm. They just knew at that time. But I didn't know and I didn't want to commit myself to something sure. that I might regret. Because I remember meeting with you and Mr. Weemery. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we had a nice meeting in high school about like, well, what what do you like? And I was like, I don't know. I like arts. I like makeup. I like creativity. And we talked about interior design, or maybe you could go to cosmetology school. I mean, you helped me the best you could with what I was thinking of. But eventually I just chose, no, I'm just going to wait. I'm glad that I did Mm -hmm. because I don't think I would be where I was if I just Mm -hmm. kind of picked out of the bucket and was like, okay, I'll just go do this. So it ended up being the best thing ever for me, just not focusing so much on trying to be like everybody else and get myself into a college and figure this thing out. To expand a little bit on that subject, can you share some insight into your career journey? You know, what led you to this point as far as like what your career is now? So... I would say I've always been, like we talked about before, the thread. Oprah says that there's a common thread through your whole life that Mm -hmm. you can follow. My thread has always been creativity. It's always been like arts and using my talents to kind of create things. And so what happened with Sugarwood was so organic, which is why it's so powerful, because it was not premeditated at all. So before I was a mom, I was a manager at Pier One. I was a waitress. I was a camp counselor. I was all these other random things. I worked with so many different kinds of people and I learned so much about branding, about marketing. And what ended up happening with Sugar was I became a mom and I was desperate to hold on to my recipes from childhood. My grandmother and I had a very, very close bond. My mom had me really young, so I spent a ton of time at my grandma's house and she was like a mother to me. And we baked, that's what we did. We baked together all the time. And when my kids were born, I had this like primal desire to be like, they need to know how to make the famous chocolate cake. They need to know how to make the caramels. So I spent an entire summer with my grandma driving from the cities, sitting at her kitchen counter and we went through all the best recipes and we made a big fat family cookbook for everybody not just of the desserts but like all the classics that your grandma makes Uh and I would use that cookbook to then bake for my kids and then it became baking for my kids birthday parties and then friends would say well gosh that was so good can you bake for my kids birthday and it was just this fun really creative thing I got to do I was a stay-at-home mom my husband had a great job I was blessed to not have to work but I was missing that component of being creative and feeling like like I had an identity because I was depressed just being a mom. So this kind of brought me back out of that. 
And then we called it Sugarwood at the time. My girlfriend came up with the name. She's a genius and the logo. And it was just for fun. It was just something to call it so that if another friend wanted me to come, we'd be like, Sugarwood's here at the party. It was never going to go anywhere. And then my husband got fired from his job. And then we had to make a huge life decision. Like, do we stay in the Twin Cities and keep living this life? Or do we move back to our hometown that we thought we'd retire here? That was the plan. We were going to get a cabin on Beaver Dam Lake and we were going to be old people here. And just something in our hearts said, let's just move home. Let's just see what happens. So we came back to Wisconsin. We borrowed money from my sister to get six months worth of rent. And we started with nothing. My husband just started looking for work. And I, that Christmas, was desperate for some money. And I begged my friends and family to buy some treats from me under this name Sugarwood. And I thought it would be a one-time Christmas thing. Turns out, Louis Finer Meats in Cumberland, somebody gifted a Christmas box to whoever worked there. And then they reached out to me and said, there was this caramel shortbread you had in this gift box. And it was so good. Would you ever sell it here? And I was like, huh, well, that would be kind of fun. And so I just figured, let's figure out how to do that. And so we started baking in our kitchen, in our rented house in McKinley. And I started just bringing like 10 or 15 hunks of caramel shortbread to Louis with a very generic sticker on it. And then from there, it just kind of branched out. We never had a marketing plan. I've never paid for marketing. Everything we've gotten is word of mouth. Every moment that we've gotten is from a customer or a friend or somebody who told somebody. And it all started with Louis. It's crazy. And so I'm still just like, well, let's see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Last year, we got into Target Corporation with some gift sets that they ordered from us. That was a huge moment to go from little girl who brought like caramel shortbread to Louis to being like in the Target Corporation gift sets was Mm -hmm. huge. And we'll just keep seeing where it goes. But that's really the organic path that it took. And I think that the key point is I paid attention to the clues and I just didn't Mm -hmm. say no Mm -hmm. to the doubt. Because there's a lot of people when we moved back to Wisconsin that told us we would fail. There was a lot of people who didn't understand. Why would you leave this huge metropolitan area where there's jobs abound and you'll be fine? John could have got a job in a week after he got fired in the cities. Why would you move back to this tiny, tiny, small town? They just didn't get it. But we just felt this guidance and it ended up being the best thing for our family. So that proved to me like, okay, my intuition is right. So I can just keep following that. And every time I've gotten an instinct to do something, I just skip past the doubt and I just do it. It's been working so far. Mm-hmm. There's a day or two of doubt and then I just jump and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So Yes, and every time I buy one of your products from Sugarwood, <laughs> caramels or the sharp yeah. or whatever it is, people are like, where did you get this? Oh, and so I love it. so it's always it. kind of fun to share that and give them away for gifts. And then it's a former student and it's a Barron County And that's not product. marketing I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we would have been as embraced in a bigger town where we didn't know people. Sure. We have that hometown pride and people love our story and people know me and people are proud of me and they want to share it. So I think everything in our life that's good came from us coming back to this nurturing community because we all take care of our own here. That's what we do. Your grandma's recipes. And it's, you know, it's something that's near and dear to your heart. So you have that passion for that. And again, it's a home recipe. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. I know that you have an awesome family that you've been blessed with. Can you share us a little bit about your two daughters and your husband and how you balance that all? Sure. I started, I was a stay-at-home mom until the girls were about two and five. And that's when we moved back here. And that's when I started to really get known for Sugarwood and started to really like, quote unquote, work. And the first few years of that was a lot of guilt, a lot of feeling like, oh my gosh, how do I balance all of this? How do I 
maintain the success, but also like give my attention to my kids. And I struggled for a long time with guilt, a lot of depression about it. And I just didn't know there was no answers. And then I finally figured out within the last couple of years, there really is no balance. There's no such thing as balance. So I like to say create harmony. Because when you think about music, all the notes come together to mm-hmm. make a beautiful song. So your life to me, if I'm doing well in Sugarwood, that means my laundry's piled up. If I'm giving attention to the kids, that means orders are stacked up. I just had to learn somehow to create harmony and incorporate everything together. So one of the things that's really been helpful is including the kids in the business. One of my daughters in particular, Ava, she's nine. She loves to help. When she's in there, I could just feel that she loves it. She's really creative and actually has helped me come up with some of my best ideas. And when we were virtual learning this year, you know, she's learning math in there. She's weighing measurements and writing down numbers and counting how many orders are going out. And so I had some justification there. Absolutely. Sophie is 13. She would rather be in her room watching TikTok. So (laughs) I still include her, but with the things that she enjoys, like labeling, some packaging stuff. And a lot of times Sophie loves to sing. She's very much a Broadway musical theater kid. So sometimes she'll just come and sit on a stool while I'm in there and just sing in the corner of the room. And we connect that way. Sometimes Ava will just come in there and hang out with me. She doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily work. My husband and I work together in there. It's kind of like Sugarwood is our extra family member. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how we've had to relate it. We all work as a team together. And there are just days where I always get so embarrassed when my employees have to go to the bathroom because my facility is my renovated garage. So sometimes my employees have to use my house to go to the bathroom and my kitchen is pristine and perfect and clean and everything's orderly. And then I'll warn them like, you're going to go into my house and you're going to see the real me. And they'll walk in and there's dishes piled and my Shih Tzu dogs have like torn apart a pillow and there's fluff everywhere and there's laundry. And I think it's good that they understand you can't have both. Mm -hmm. You just can't. I would kill myself if I was going to be super successful in this one area and have all my laundry put away. I'm just a real person. Mm -hmm. And wherever I shine that light is where it grows. So my husband and I have had some of our best talks in the bakery. I mean, we did three, four hours together. You're just sitting side by side. We talk about life. We talk about retirement. We talk about bills. We laugh about stories about the kids. Not everybody could work with their husbands. I understand that. Mm -hmm. He does have a full-time job. So he's like part-time with me and full-time at his job. But it's enriched our relationship. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I said, having kids. You know, like when you and your husband are a married newlywed couple and then you have children and you thought you loved each other, but then you love each other 10 times more because that bond of watching them help you with your kids is like, oh my God, nobody's going to love our kids as much as you and me. Nobody will get it. That's how we are about Sugarwood. Mm -hmm. Nobody will get how hard we've worked for it, the silent sufferings, the mistakes, the failures, the successes. It's exactly like raising kids in my world. But I do have girlfriends that are like, I could never work with my husband. I'm like, that's cool. Like, get Mm -hmm. it. Sure. It just happens to be that we get along really well and he knows what he's good at and I know what I'm good at. And we're both so proud of each other Mm -hmm. that it creates more love. It's never taken away. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. The minute it starts to take away from the goodness of our life, then we need to Mm reevaluate. So far, it's just added to it. Sure, there's stress, but there's stress no matter what. Right. Even if I had a full-time job, You know, I have friends that are nurses during COVID. That's stress. Come on. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of gave up the hope that I would be June Cleaver, whatever her name was, and just decided messy house, loving hearts, try my best, be honest and real, show my kids. They've seen me cry over mistakes. They've seen the successes too. So Mm -hmm. it's just all one big melting pot of learning. 
-hmm. And it's been really cool. Great journey. Yeah. So now that we had a summary of your career, in hindsight, is there one thing that you wish you would have done differently when you were in high school? Well, I'm one of those people that really believes that if everything didn't happen the way it did, like the butterfly effect, you wouldn't be where you are. So... On the one hand, my gut instinct is no, because I wouldn't be where I am. But if I could go back and still end up where I am now, just to make my experience more enjoyable, I wish I would have not worried so much about looking stupid and joined in more on things. I realized there were a lot of opportunities, you know, like theater stuff. The Barron Area Community Center has a great stage and there was theater I could have joined. I never took art. I mean, I love creativity. I would have loved art. And Mrs. Morris seemed like such an amazing teacher. But I was always worried about looking dumb or like not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. So I wish I would have put myself out there more. Mm -hmm. I was never going to be a sports person. Like I hate running and sweating and Mm -hmm. that's not my vibe. But there were so many artistic, creative things I could have done. Student Senate, just opportunities to enrich myself. And I wish I would have been more open and kind because I was very guarded trying to be tough. There's a movie, I think, Dazed and Confused. And in that movie, there's a group of high school girls that haze the new girls that are coming into the school. And I will never forget eighth grade before my freshman year. One of my friends who was just graduating high school said, this is what it's going to be like. So you need to be tough. You need to be scary. Because when you walk in there on that first day, those senior girls are going to eat you alive. And I was petrified all of eighth grade summer like oh my god like in training like okay I'm gonna be tough I'm gonna be scary so I went into the whole experience of high school like that that was what I thought it was and I was scared I was so scared so I wish I just would have been a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more involved because there was some great opportunities that I kind of let slip by because I was so scared to look stupid I just hadn't grown into myself yet and I didn't have the self-confidence I do now to make mistakes and look dumb but I could have had more fun I guess that's what it comes down to. Knowing what I know now about life, high school could be so much fun. Mm -hmm. And so I'll try to impose that on my kids Mm -hmm. now. We'll see what happens. Well, one thing I noticed what you're doing with your kids, which I wish I would have thought to do, is you had shared with me that the artwork that they do, Mm. you cover your bedroom walls with it, and you send me pictures of that. Yeah. What a great idea. (laughs) Because not only do you see their creativity and kind of who they are, because that always comes out Mm -hmm. in work, but it's also a collection of as they've grown. Oh my gosh, yes. It started with Ava in preschool. She said, Mom, can you hang up this piece of art? We hadn't decorated our bedroom yet. You know, I didn't have any artwork hanging up in my room. That was like the last room to decorate. So she had a paper plate and she had like four splotches of paint on it. And she was like four. And she goes, Mom, can you hang this up in your room? And so I did. And then every time she brought home artwork, she wanted to hang it up in my room. So it started with one wall. And then my other daughter was like, well, now you need to hang my artwork. So it just became this thing that whatever they brought home, anything creative, it got a piece of tape on the back and it got slapped on the wall. And now we're six years into it. And my whole bedroom Mm -hmm. is their artwork. We have a little bit left. And Sophie's whole bedroom is her art as well. Art is so important. Mm -hmm. It's such a way to like release energy and to just tap into yourself. And I had this vision of them at 18, like walking into our bedroom and seeing like all their childhood visually. Yeah. Because it's a visual representation of who they were. And it's a growth. Yeah. Yeah. And you get so many papers as a mom, as you know, like flyers for this and flyers for that and worksheets and all this stuff that I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take the pretty colorful stuff and hang it up. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of a thing that we do. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. And lastly, if you could talk to your high school self right now, what piece of advice would you give to yourself or maybe even to your girls as they're starting to enter high school? 
I honestly think that high school is a battleground. There's places in high school where you can thrive and places where you're going to have a hard time. You got to learn a lot about yourself and being vulnerable is one of the hardest mm-hmm. things when you're a teenager. And so if I could tell myself, it would just be to let go mm-hmm. and just trust, you know what, you're likable, you're welcomed everywhere you go. You don't have to worry that you're going to be judged. And mm-hmm. if you are judged, it doesn't matter. Really finding ways to like cultivate who you are. But at that point, you're at such a pivotal place because you don't really know who you are yet. You're absorbing like a sponge, everybody's input and all their energy around you. And I guess if we refer back to the other question where I said, you know, I wish I would have been more involved and more kind. One of the vivid memories I have of high school was Mr. Hoggestoon. He was such a great leader and mm-hmm. such a wonderful presence in that school. And he was really somebody that I looked up to a lot. And I wish that I would have tapped into his brain more because he was so knowledgeable and so smart and so kind. I spent a lot of time hanging out with him and the office ladies and just watching how much they cared about the kids and the different personalities that came in. I think that helped me get a perspective about everybody's just people. In elementary school, you'd see your teacher buying soup at the grocery store and you'd be like, oh my God, they eat. They're (laughs) real people. And what I learned in school and what I would want my kids to know is that teachers are people too. They have Mm -hmm. husbands and wives and lives and kids and stress. And it's really important not only to bond with your fellow students, but there are mentors in that building that can really help you grow. And that's one of the things that I was so proud of because everybody was kind of intimidated by Mr. Hogestoon. He looked like a military guy, but when you got to know him, like I did on a personal level, he was so knowledgeable and so present and so kind. And even those office ladies, they were not my teachers, Sure, but they they taught me so Mm -hmm. much. The way that they would treat a sick student when they would come in, the way that they would treat a student that was struggling, that maybe had a hard day and was crying and needed to talk to the guidance counselor. I watched them deal with everything from crabby parents to bad kids to good kids, Mm -hmm. answering phones. And I was just like, oh my goodness. So I really want my kids to know that adults can be your friend and Mm -hmm. don't hold back and to really see them as people. And that can go both ways. You know, sometimes the teachers don't know what they're talking about either. There are some teachers that might have a wrong perspective of you, Mm -hmm. and it's really important for you to know yourself so that you don't take that too internally, because whether they're well-intended or not, we're just people. And everybody has their own experiences that might lead them to feel a certain way about you. Mm -hmm. There were some teachers that just did not like me, and that's okay. There was an energy I gave off that didn't connect with them, and I was lucky enough to not internalize it and take it personally. I shouldn't say they didn't like me. It's just that you can tell when a teacher has a preference towards other kids. You could feel that as a 16, 17 year old kid. And I'm trying to raise my girls to be like, you know what? They're just people. It's not live or die. You're Mm going to have bosses you don't like. You're going to have coworkers you don't like. It's going to happen in life. So that's like the breeding ground for figuring out Mm -hmm. sociology. I feel like high school is where you figure out, okay, now we're prepping, not just education wise, but socially for the world. Yeah. So I'm going to backspin a little bit because you have some really cool personal projects that you've worked on. You've talked about your creativity. We've talked about Sugarwood. And I know you'll talk a little bit more about that website and all that. But can you tell us about some of the other things that you've done in your professional life and adult life? Photography was the beginning of everything. When my kids were really little, I took them to a professional photographer because I wanted those beautiful portraits on the wall. And it was like $1,100. And I remember thinking, oh, Lord, I could go buy a camera and learn how to do this. And so... 
I started again, just taking pictures of my kids with photography. And then I took some classes online and I figured out how to do it. And I got pretty darn good. So then I started taking pictures of friends and family's kids. And that lended itself so well learning photography to one day I had a business where I needed to take really good pictures of my products because in the visual world of social media and websites, you got to have good pictures of your stuff. That's how people buy. So I started to learn product photography and I began utilizing that talent with Sugarwood, which was a godsend because that would have cost me thousands of dollars. So photography is still something that I enjoy and I love. And it's just a little tool I have in my back pocket if I ever need it, if anybody needs pictures or whatever. And we've been doing Sugarwood for about seven years. And just in this last year or so, I started to feel a little bit of complacency. I love the creativity and I love the innovation of coming up with new treats. But when you're a production facility and you make the same thing over and over and over and over again, it gets to be redundant. And I'm an artist and I'm a creative person and I love caramel so much but when you're making brown caramel all day long I missed color and I missed life so I started to do different treats like for holidays Mother's Day Valentine's Day just limited edition for that month only and then I missed working with other people so I started to do gift sets where I would collaborate and bring in other vendors of other small businesses perhaps you've got a soap company and I could put your soap in my box and I work with a girl who gives me beautiful crystals and stones I've worked with people who've done Done textile things because I missed camaraderie. It's a very lonely business to work by yourself and be an entrepreneur, even though I am an introverted extrovert. I need that alone time, but I missed other artists and creatives. So in the last six months, doing gift sets on our website that incorporate other small businesses. I'm really passionate that they make their products, that they are small business like me. Mm -hmm. It's just a way for me to take my brand and bring other people in to bring them awareness. And that's been really fun. And then I got excited because I made some Sugarwood shirts for my business this year. And somehow I got a bug up my butt to start a clothing line. But it was just another avenue for creativity. Again, I found these other small businesses that take beautiful artwork and put it on shirts. There's a girl in Georgia that I work with. She's fantastic. And I order from her the styles that I want. And she makes me custom tie-dye and bleach-dyed shirts. And then she ships them to me. And then I think of my own cool things to put on them, like graphics. Or I hire other artists to design graphics. And then we're going to start screen printing them on shirts. And that brand is going to be called Sugar Wear. Sure. We did a dog treat line this winter because I got two Shih Tzus and I went crazy dog mom. Mm -hmm. So that was Sugar Wolf. Yes. (laughs) Instead of sugar Mm -hmm. wood. And yeah, we'll just see where it goes from there. It's been a really crazy whirlwind. I also missed getting dressed for work and looking nice and decent and talking to people. So I started doing Reiki healing sessions at the Enlivened Med Spa in Rice Lake one day a week just to get me out of the Mm -hmm. little creative studio. So energy healing has been a huge component in my journey as well. And I've been training for like seven years. And I just recently became a Reiki master and working with clients in September. And that's been unbelievable. It's like a spiritual massage. Mm -hmm. It's an hour of your life where you just sit and relax and you clear out your negative energy and you talk and you feel guided. And it's been one of my grounding things in my life that's got me to where I am. So that's been really great to get to connect with clients too and just step out of the Sugarwood role, which I love being an entrepreneur and a business person and all of that, but it's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And sometimes you just need to feel like yourself and not the caramel lady, which I love being and I'm happy to be it. But but again, set balance. You talked earlier mm-hmm. about that and you have that positive energy and I'm glad you're sharing that with others because yeah. we need that. 
Okay, so Sugarwood has a website. Yes. And so people could just Google Sugarwood. Sugarwoodshop.com is our website. We also have Instagram, which is Sugarwood, and Facebook, which is Sugarwood. And then if you're interested in the clothing line, we are Sugarware on Facebook and Instagram. And we just started a group on Facebook where you can join our little Sugarware group and learn about what cool clothes are coming out next and connect with other people about creativity and art mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And now that the pandemic is over, I'm excited to get back into events. There's an event that's coming up on May 1st at Peter and Annie's. It's a Mother's Day market. But we're hoping also to get back into farmer's markets and get back out into the community again because we were kind of locked down for a year. And that's where I get to really connect with customers Mm -hmm. and see their faces and get those experiences. So we'll post on our social media where we're going to be so you can see us and chat with us. But yeah, our website and social media is usually where to go for all of that fun stuff. And then I know here in Barron County, I took pictures, which I did not know you started at Louis, but I took pictures of your products at Louis, knowing I was going to do this podcast. But I know it's also at Barron Cheese. Am I saying that yep, right? Yeah, it's okay. at Barron County Cheese. We are in the Milk Pail in Rice Lake. We're in Poppy Popcorn. We are in Peter and Annie's in Cumberland and also Island Wines. If you go on our website under retail stores, we're in quite a few stores. Now, some of the stores only pick us up during the holidays. And so during the holidays, our business quadruples. I think we did about 20,000 wrapped caramels in three months last November. And so our business goes through the roof. Mm -hmm. But holidays are where we do some of our best gift sets. We really want to get into corporations and do gift sets for them. I did it with the Target Corporation. It was so much fun. Like They gave me a budget and I just put together some ideas for them like a proposal where we could do this basket this basket this basket and they picked one and we went with it and it was so fun so I'm trying to do more of that get in with businesses or people who want to do client appreciation gifts or weddings just as another avenue for me to get my name out there and again I don't know where this is gonna go I have no idea spreading the love yeah I'm just gonna ride this wave and see where inspiration takes me because eventually I would love to be able to have a big team and maybe somebody under me like a manager that could execute my ideas and you know we're getting there we're farther than I ever thought we would be I thought we would sell one Christmas worth of boxes to friends and family who felt sorry for us that year and I was gonna go get a job and live my life and I'm sitting here now with oh my goodness thousands probably 10,000 products that we've shipped Mm -hmm. and we've shipped to all 50 Mm -hmm. states we've had people take our product to Greece Australia England Italy so it's already beyond what I ever thought Mm -hmm. I think that's the lesson too is you can plan and you can have an idea but you have to leave space for life to take you where it's supposed to go because my plan was never this big. So that's where the excitement comes in because I'm almost like a kid every day. I'm like, well, now what? Now who's going to call me and who's going to order and what am I going to be inspired by next? You know, it's just like once you kind of get into that momentum, it starts to become fun because you just don't know where it's going to take you. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be something I would want people to take from this too is it's good to have a plan. It's good to be organized, but we got to leave space for the bigger plan because every single one of us has the highest manifestation possible and we can't even conceive of what that is. We just have Mm -hmm. to be quiet and listen 
and take the next step and the next step. And now I'm here doing a podcast with my former art teacher slash guidance counselor. I never thought that would happen. Yeah, I, you know, crazy. I've been so proud to watch your whole journey just unfold oh, and the blonde from, you know, crazy. the late 90s. So. It's crazy because I never saw myself as a business person. I was mm-hmm. never encouraged in that way. I was never told, you know, you'd make a great entrepreneur. Sure. That language did not exist at that time. So I sort of had to grow into this and kind of learn like you can be a business person. I don't have a college degree. Mm-hmm. Everything I learned, I learned through grit and life lessons mm-hmm. and mentors and really smart people that I surrounded myself with. And I just asked a lot of questions and I had tenacity, a desire to figure stuff out. So I think that's another thing that is so important for my kids and other kids to realize or anybody who's listening to this is you can become anything mm-hmm. from anywhere if you've got drive and a gift and something to say and something you want to do. There's no formula that's a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Some people going to college and getting that degree in that life, it works. And sure. there's nothing wrong with that. If right. you knew you want to be a teacher all of your life, that is amazing. But if you're one of those people that's like, I just don't even know, that's perfectly fine. There's a really great story I learned about hummingbirds and jackhammers. Elizabeth Gilbert tells this amazing story about two kinds of people. There's hummingbirds and they kind of go from thing to thing to thing to thing, but they um, pollinate and create beauty in the world by doing that. And then there's jackhammer people who find their goal and they just jackhammer it and they never stop. They are so focused and we need both kinds of people. Sure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm a jackhammer and sometimes I'm a hummingbird. (laughs) That is so cool. I have to share something that warmed my heart that involves you. Recently, I had the pleasure of recording Christian Schaff for a podcast who was one of your classmates. Yeah. And in talking with both of you, I discovered that you are great supporters of each other as well as fellow classmates and now both entrepreneurs. So I found out that your relationship started with you guys being bus buddies. Mm Mm-hmm. And you were little elementary students and you two were just always friends. But as your high school counselor, I didn't even put you two together into the same peer group. So I was kind of surprised just to find out how much you both made such a lasting impression on each other during your teenage years. So he shared a little bit about that story. He did? Okay. And was very touched by your whole story. So can you share just a little bit about your relationship with Christian? Yeah. Chris and I were buddies from fifth grade on. I've got so many pictures of him that he will be very embarrassed about. (laughs) Sometimes I text them to him like, remember this? There's this really funny picture of him in this yellow shirt with like a big cow on it. And he had his mullet in fifth grade. And he's so freaking funny. This is why you wouldn't have put us together. Because it's a battleground in high school. And it sucks. Because me trying to be popular and cool and make sure that I maintain some presence of power wouldn't allow me to necessarily engage with him because he was in a different group than me. It was like when you were in a group, you stayed in that group. It's like tribal. It's very bizarre. And so what our friendship would be would be after school. So we were bus buddies at first and we were both talking about like couldn't wait to drive. I believe his birthday's in December as well. I'm not sure, but I turned 16 first. And so I said, the minute I get my license, we will never have to be on this bus again. I will drive you home from school. And so I think it was the first time I had my license. He was a passenger in the car and I was driving him home. And we lived a couple miles from each other, but in the country, it feels like forever. And I'll never forget. He goes, Shana, you can speed up. I think I was going 
going like 22, trying to get him there safely, like gripping the steering wheel. And he goes, and you can pull off the side of the road because I was like driving nearly into the ditch. He'd driven tractors and farm mm-hmm. equipment sure. all of his life. So he could have hopped behind that wheel and driven that mm-hmm. vehicle. But we had such a bond. He would come to my house and show me. He was on the cover of an Arctic Cat magazine with his little snowmobile. He was in, a, I think, an Arctic Cat training video. And he brought that to my house and we watched that together. Christian was one of those people that had such talent and light that it got too bright for the people in high school to experience. When somebody is super talented and they have self-confidence, I think that it's threatening to people. So it always kind of broke my heart that he had an experience that wasn't ideal. And it also broke my heart that I couldn't have helped. I was so busy protecting myself. I remember there was lots of upperclassmen that were very, very mean to him, really mean. And I wish I would have had the maturity to reach out and be there for him. But I also feel you're in such a survival mode at that point that you don't want anybody's light on you. So if it's happening to someone else, you're like, thank God it's not me because it's terrible to say, but you're Mm -hmm. surviving in that element. And he was handsome, talented, smart, came from a good family, hardworking family that contributed a lot. And I think that that was so intimidating to people. And I feel bad because he was such a nice person. And I can imagine he was like, well, what the heck can I do? But there's nothing you can do. You just kind of have to get through it. And so we didn't stay friends in our 20s. But when we both became entrepreneurs, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, he kind of became someone that I looked up to. Like, I remember when he sold Crispin Cider, when he started Crispin, that was a huge move. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so neat. And then when I started Sugarwood, I would reach out to him and ask him questions and just be like, listen, you know, what do you think about this? And he would give me such great advice. Mm -hmm. He's so motivating and he is so knowledgeable and he's so intelligent. And I would pick his brain constantly. And he was always so open about getting back to me and helping me out. And now we're both inspiring each other. Yes, very much so. I can see that talking with you and how much he supports you and you support Mm -hmm. him. And I'm sure that's just really helpful to both of you. Yes, not many people get what it's like to be a business owner. Like there's times I've texted him, you know, eight in the morning. I've been like, haven't gone to bed yet. Pulled another all nighter. And he's like, oh yeah, been there a couple years ago. I did that too. Or I'll send him like a picture of all my boxes that I'm shipping out. And he's like, good for you. That's awesome. I remember when I first started and he'll send me pictures of his beginnings and where he's at now. And it gives me this perspective to keep pushing. But yeah, I think we inspire each other too, because we both came from this little small town where we weren't very nurtured in high school. You know, there's roles in high school. There's the Mm -hmm. jocks, there's the cheerleaders. And he and I never fit into any of those categories. Mm -hmm. And so I think what was expected of us never really happened. You know, like we both became something that nobody really expected. Mm -hmm. You both are risk takers. Yes. And he kind of talked about too, even though high school was very, very tough, he kind of wonders if that shaped and molded him Mm -hmm. now to be that because both of you are not afraid to take a risk. Yes. I remember vividly in middle school, my mom went to a parent-teacher conference or something. And the person who she had the conference with told her that I would be lucky if I graduated high school and worked at a gas station. That's how poor of a student I was. Now, granted, I probably was acting out, but when I heard those words that planted a seed in me and like, oh, I'll show you. 
There's two kinds of people. There's somebody who would hear that and say, oh, I am a piece of crap, and I guess that's all I'll ever be. And then there's people like me and Chris, who when we hear somebody doubt us or somebody doesn't see our full potential, that we want to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. So there is an element of that competitiveness, I think, inside of both of us. And I'm sure that person who said that would feel terrible now. But it helped me in a weird way, like, okay, doubt me and watch. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the risk-taking comes in because it's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? That's why watching Chris's journey too, like him doing music and doing all these tours in Iraq and then him getting a brand deal with Harley Davidson and Yeti and then him doing his own podcast. I want to start my own podcast too. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started the clothing line because I was like, well, I don't have to be boxed in just because people think I'm good at baking and marketing. I am good at that, mm-hmm. but I'm good at other stuff too. So I think when you're an entrepreneur, you get bored. And that's something that he and I connect with too. Like now what? He's always developing new products. So am I just on a smaller scale and I'm baking them, but he's always making the next cool thing for survival kits Mm -hmm. or hiking. And I think when you're like that, you just have to keep following it. And we do a lot of studying. You know, Chris and I both have talked about studying other successful business owners. I do a lot of self work. Chris does too. He goes and he works out constantly and he does a lot of internal work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just come naturally. You do have to work at it. And he's a really good bond for me because most people work a nine to five and don't get those big dreams and visions that we have. And that all started back on the school bus when you it did. became bus buddies. And his sweet and little soul. He's such a kind yeah. person. I respect him so much, yeah. and I'm so happy for him. So thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. You're so inspiring. It's just thank so cool. You. So I appreciate the time that you took out of your busy schedule to meet with me. And this wraps up another episode for the Barron Alumni Podcast Series. So please keep checking the Barron Area Education Foundation webpage or Facebook page for future podcasts and look for our podcast featuring little Shana Lombard-Wood. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Barron Alumni Podcast Series, courtesy of the Barron Area Education Foundation, featuring your host, Linda McCunda. This episode has been brought to you by Christian Schaff from survival systems and first aid kits trusted by the CIA, State Department, and U.S. and Canada Border Patrol to the Zeus energy system that can jumpstart up to an 8-liter diesel engine. Uncharted Supply Company builds products designed to make you the hero of your own story. Visit www.unchartedsupplyco.com or check out their products in person nationwide at retailers like Bass Pro Shops and Shields. Christian Schaff, a 1998 BHS graduate, is the founder and CEO of this company.